Good morning, Hope. How many of you glad to be alive today? Let me hear you. I, I was wondering while I was standing back in the kind of the alcove over there, and it's like, yay, Jesus, woohoo, yeah. We can do a little better than that, can't we? You love the Lord this morning? How many believe that God has something He wants to speak to your heart today? Do you believe that? If you don't believe that, you shouldn't show up. I'm just going to be real honest with you right there. Because every time we come and we listen to the Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God makes it alive in our hearts. He has something He wants to do in each one of us. So I want to encourage you today, get your Bibles out, and uh, we're going to dig into the finale of a series we've been in on the life of Joseph. My name is Mike. I'm the pastor here. Welcome. Uh, I'm kind of in that, you know, almost Easter thing, you know. This is the Palm Sunday get up, you know, a little jacket with the jeans and uh, just trying to get you set the tone. We're going to look good next week. And uh, more than that, we're going to show up early and have a breakfast, right? I just want you to know, whoever puts egg on my pancake, I'm not eating it. That, I just saw that slide. I'm like, that didn't even look good. But I can tell you what, if you've been to our breakfasts, they're awesome. We're going to start about 845 back in the cafeteria. Then at 10 o'clock, we're going to all be in here. We're going to worship God. The one who gave us his son, amen, who died and rose and lives again. And guess what, church? He's coming back again. Do you believe that? And we're going to celebrate that next Sunday. But today we're going to wrap up this series, and uh, we've been talking about from moving from the pit to the palace, how God moves us from putting dreams in our lives, gifts in our lives, creating us for his purpose, how he moves us from that to where we fulfill our destiny as part of expanding his kingdom by, by loving people, by, by proclaiming the goodness of God and showing them that he is the one who is the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. So would you pray with me right now? And let's just ask God to help us today as we work into this word. Father, God, I thank you. God, I'm so thankful for every person, God, to live today, Father, to worship you. God, across the world, God, praises are going up, God. And I, I thank you that in this place this morning, God, Father, you are here. Your word promises that, God, but we know that God, even more because, Lord, when we worship you, God, Father, we enthrone you in the midst of us, God. Whether we're in our car, whether we're at church service, God, wherever we are, if we worship you, God, God, your throne rises above us, God. And, Father, your word promises, God, that your grace and your mercy flow through you to us, God. God, we need that this morning, God. So, Father, I pray, God, that we would just be open to you today. God, let our hearts be ready. Let our minds be ready, God. God, shape us and change us by your word today, God. And Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus, and we give you praise. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to miss Joseph. I've been having fun teaching this series. We've been talking about how God brings us through these different tests and trials in our life to prepare us to be ready for his purpose to be fulfilled in our lives. And we really come to the end of the story of Joseph today. And I just want to, for a moment, take us back to remember how it all began. Just for a moment, use your imagination, all right? I know it's kind of early. The coffee may not have set in yet. It was cold this morning. I had to dig the stocking cap back out of the box. I thought winter was over, you know? And, uh, and we're, we're, we're getting there. But listen, just use your imagination for a second. Can you imagine for just a moment, what did it have to feel like for Joseph to be sold as a slave? I mean, think about that for a second. His, his freedom's gone. In his mind, he, he had to think his future was over. He lost his, his dignity, his personhood. But if you can imagine even more so, he was sold into slavery by his own family, by his own brothers. And we saw a story in the very beginning where he was, he was brought out of the pit where his brothers had thrown him in and he was sold to these Ishmaelites. And here we see this teenage boy, 17 years old, a young man with a dream in his heart. That's why we should never despise the youth, right? Because God puts dreams in their hearts. His dream in his heart, and he's trudging through the desert in chains, the property of some Ishmaelite traders. 
And any cruelty that he suffered at the hands of those traitors could not even compare to the cruelty he suffered at the hands of his own family. Can you imagine being betrayed in such a way? Can you imagine that happening in your own life? We, we've looked at Joseph. We've studied his, his life. We studied how he was sold to an Egyptian master once he arrived in Egypt, only to be falsely accused by his master's wife of, of attempted rape, and he, and he ended up in prison for some 13 years. And only through a divine appointment of God did God raise him up to one day fulfilling his destiny by being a leader in Egypt and saving not only the Egyptians, but saving his own family. But even so, when you study the life of Joseph, his life was marked by suffering. And he endured it because of the deliberate cruelty and malice of others. Well, I'll give you a hint this morning. We're talking about forgiveness today. We're talking about the pardon test today. We're talking about what it is to, to be one that, that understands that God calls us to do something that is so unnatural, but Joseph got it. And Joseph did it in a great way. He did something that is so hard for every single one of us, and that is this. Joseph made a decision to forgive his family. He passed the test. He passed the final test with flying colors, didn't he? If he had not passed this test, listen, the destiny would not have been there. If he didn't pass this test, it would have all been in vain. But yet God put him in a place for right there he could show us how to live and how to forgive. Now, we've been looking at this story for the past several weeks. And I, I've tried to encourage you, we're not doing it as a history lesson. We're not doing it just as some kind of moral lesson. What we're seeing in the story is how God works in our lives. Every one of us has been called to greatness. Every one of us, God has put gifts in us. Every one of us, God has given us this, this ability when we put our faith in Christ to be his ambassadors wherever we go and to proclaim his goodness to a world that is so far from him. And yet we recognize that until we pass some of these tests, until we, we build up in us the things of God, sometimes our giftedness can't even stand. We talked about it last week. If we don't have character, guess what? Gifts tend to crumble, right? If we aren't faithful in the small things we learned in the prosperity test, then God can't trust us with, with the good stuff, right? We, we learned in the, in the pit that even when troubles are our own fault, God is still with us. And instead of having a wrong sight, a wrong view of life, we should look to God and say, God, you're with us. And no matter what's happening, God, you offer forgiveness for our lives. Well, today we're going to focus on this pardon test. And, and I'll tell you right now, honestly, it's the most difficult test we've talked about. How many of you today have ever had to forgive someone that you didn't want to? The rest of you have not lived, evidently. I mean, it's common, isn't it? And yet we think our situation is different than everybody else's. Well, if you only knew how bad it was in my family, right? Or if you only know what she did to me or he did to me, listen, can I tell you something? Jesus Christ experienced every pain, sorrow there was on this earth. And yet he did not sin. And now he is our, our heavenly high priest that understands us. And we see in the scripture the story of Joseph pattern that I want us to get today. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you some things. I want you to just kind of write them down. Because forgiveness is something that you don't just do once and forget about it. It's something you have to learn to master through the work of the Holy Spirit in you. So here we go in Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21 is where we're going to look today. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? Now, now here's what's happened since Joseph came out of prison. Through a series of, of, of natural disasters and events and God's sovereignty, uh, Joseph's family, including his dad, have, have moved to Egypt, all right? Because there, there, was, there was food. There, there was sustenance. And they'd literally come and fulfilled the dream that Joseph had when he was a 17-year-old. They bowed down before him because they didn't even know who he was. 
So here's Joseph. He's got their lives in his hands, but he's been blessing them. And as long as his father was alive, there was a settled peace between him and his brothers, right? There was this, this uncomfortable peace between him and the ones who threw him in the pit and wanted to kill him. But now his father's dead. All bets are off, right? His father's dead and his brothers, they are shaking in their boots. In verse 16 it says, So they sent word to Joseph saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. And this is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. And his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. And we are your slaves, they said. Now, now picture this again. Here we are on Palm Sunday, right? Palm Sunday is all about people expecting one thing and getting something much better than they expected. The, the people in Jerusalem, they were singing Hosanna because they thought Jesus was going to be king and kick the Romans out. I mean, we would do the same. We would, we would absolutely do the same. If he showed up in the U.S. today, we're like, God, thank you, Jesus. Just take the government out and reign over us, right? And we'd be happy people. And that's what, he was, that's what they thought was going to happen. But they got more than a king. They got a savior, right? They got more than a king. They got eternal life through Jesus Christ. Well, here's Joseph's brothers. Man, they are throwing themselves down. They're bowing down before him again and said, Joseph, make us your slaves. Just don't kill us. Joseph, make us your slaves. Just have mercy on us. They're expecting one thing, but they got something much better in return. Pick it up in verse 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. This passage of scripture we're studying this morning, this is the first time in the Bible you will find the word forgive. It's the first time we ever see that concept brought into the word of God. And in the language of the time, in the Hebrew language, that word would have meant to absolve or to, to release fully, or to, to bear up or lift up something. When we think about that in the context of those of us who put our faith in Christ. Isn't that exactly what he did for us? He bore our sins upon himself, and he lifted them up off of us when he took the burden of sin, and he put it on himself at the cross. And really, that's what forgiveness is, church. That's what forgiveness is. It means to take the burden off of someone completely and totally. Because listen closely this morning, because partial forgiveness is not forgiveness at all. Do you understand that? Partial forgiveness is not forgiveness at all. You see, God, when he forgives you and I, does he partially forgive you? No. No. That'd be a big bummer, wouldn't it? Oh, God, thank you for taking away part of my sin. I'm sure not sure about the rest of it. I hope to get it right. I'm not, I don't know what to say, God. No. He forgave us completely. He washed away our sin. He restored us into relationship with God. Why? Because he took away that and he bore it on himself. And in order for our destiny, in order for the things God has put in your life and mine as dreams, things that we want to see accomplished, we have to learn to forgive others the same way God has forgiven us. And how many think that's easy this morning? Not easy, is it? It's not easy at all. This is a test that I was going through the sermon. I'm just reliving all kind of stories in my own life. And I'm like, God, this is not easy. Lord, we need your help this morning. Philip Yancey, in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, he describes forgiveness as this unnatural act. Listen to what he says. He says, I never find forgiveness easy, and rarely do I find it completely satisfying. Nagging injustices remain, and the wounds still cause pain. 
I have to approach God again and again, yielding to him the residue of what I thought I had committed to him a long ago. And I do so because the Gospels make the clear connection. God forgives my debts as I forgive my debtors. Guys, forgiveness makes little sense, doesn't it? It makes little sense uh, on those that are being asked to forgive. It goes against everything we feel inside. It goes against every emotion we have. Why? Because there's a justice. There's something that ought to take place, right? And it seems so unnatural when God says, forgive as you have been forgiven. And after all, I mean, we're, we're human, right? We have our limits. Don't push us up against the wall too far because you know what? The flesh just might come out, right? And we cry out to God and we say, God, this is hard. But however, when we are the ones that are in need of forgiveness, what do we want? <laughs> we want complete and total forgiveness. We want our, our slate wiped clean. C.S. Lewis wrote, to be Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. He goes on and says, let us always be mindful of our deep and endless need to forgive and the gratefulness for the limitless forgiveness that is extended to us through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And let us be grateful that he did not wait for us to make the first move, for God demonstrates his great love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Church, he initiated it. He did it all for us. He set the tone. So how are we to forgive? How are we to release people from the burdens of, 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 of unforgiveness, things that have caused hurt in our lives? That's what we're going to talk about today. So if you, took, you got your notes, pull them out. And I want to give you a, a pattern of forgiveness this morning. I want to give you something that I think you will find a release in. And can I tell you right now, I feel such a heaviness in this place. And, I, and it's not, we kind of joke about it. Well, I felt it since the moment we walked in this morning. I believe for some of you today, if you get this right, if you're able to take the things in your life and put them in the hands of God today, you're going to experience a freedom like you've never felt before. And can I tell you this? The enemy of your soul, Satan, does not want you to experience that today. He wants you to sit there and yawn through a sermon, think about what you're going to eat and getting out of here and how beautiful the weather is today. But can I tell you, God wants to do business in your life today. Amen? And we're going to pray again because I believe God's doing battle right now for some of you. And you need to yield to that this morning. I just, I really feel strongly in my spirit. So would you do that? Would you just pray, Father? God, in these next moments, God, as we talk about this pattern of forgiveness, God, break the chains right now, God, that are binding some people in this place, God. God, break the chains, oh God, that residue, God, is just still there. And God, they struggle because it's just so hard to let it go. But God, I believe you have so much more freedom so much more joy, so much more peace, oh God, that you want to pour out into us, oh God, today. But Lord, in doing so, God, help us to take hold of this, God, and to trust you, Father, in this area of our lives. God, to help us to forgive, God, as you have forgiven us. God, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Three words this morning they are going to set a tone, set a pattern for how we are to forgive as God forgives us. And they are release, receive, and believe. I couldn't come up with a third R. Receive, uh, release, receive, and believe. So let's, let's start right there with release, all right? To forgive others completely is to release them from all charges against them. Think about it. True forgiveness does not continue to look for justice or for vindication. True forgiveness releases the wrongdoers from the punishment they deserve. And we cry out, we're like, well, that's not fair. If you ever raise kids, you're going to learn real fast. There's a lot of things in life that aren't fair, right? And as parents, we like to say that. Yeah, get, get over it. Life's not fair, right? And we cry out to God and we say, well, that's not fair, God. They hurt us. They injured us. We deserve justice. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 
That's a scary statement, isn't it? Because if we really deserve justice in our life, how many know we'd be toast a long time ago, right? Because we sinned against the holy God, and we, we don't want justice. We want mercy in our lives. You see, the Bible is clear that harboring unforgiveness towards someone else hurts you, and it hurts your relationship with God. Someone once wrote that uh, harboring unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Real smart, right? But that's exactly what we do. Oh, if I hold this in, God, if I won't forgive them, if I won't release them, they're going to suffer so much, God. They're going to just feel so bad about it. Can I tell you, they sleep like a baby. They don't think about you for five minutes. You're the one that is torn up because of unforgiveness. You see, we've got to release that. Remember, think about it again. How does God forgive us? Every one of us has sinned against God and fallen short of his glory, Romans 3, 23. And we deserve justice, eternal separation from God. But when God forgave us our sins, he released us from the punishment that we deserved. He's no longer holding our sin against us. I meet people that are following Christ and believe God is holding grudges towards them. Something bad happens, well, oh, God's, God's taking it out on me, or God's getting back at me, or, yeah, I deserve that. No, church, let me tell you something. Every good and perfect gift comes from heaven above. It comes from our Lord who does not change like shifting shadows. He is not bringing out retribution on us because of our sins. He already took that out on the cross. And because of that, he can release us from the punishment of our sins. Joseph made a choice. He made a choice to release his brothers and to forgive them completely for everything they had done to him. He made a choice. And it's a choice every one of us have to decide what we're going to make today. And that is either to forgive and move forward or to get bitter and imprison ourselves in the bondage of our own sinfulness because of our lack of unforgiveness on this earth. Say, Mike, this is, this is hard. This is heavy. Mike, this is not fun. Aren't we supposed to have fun? Yeah. You know where fun comes? When you're walking in the will of God, amen? And when you're walking in the will of God and you're walking free and you can walk into Walmart and not care who may come walking down the aisle, right? Because you're in right relationship with God and you're in right relationship with people. Can I tell you? That's when life can be fun. So here's the thing, guys. We've got to recognize that even when others don't do what's right, God has called us that follow him to be those of forgiveness. Now check it out. We read this story about his brothers a while ago, but I did a little more study on this. I'd never seen this before. This whole passage, verse 16, I'm going to read it to you again. It says, so they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. And this is what you're to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. Do you know that that message was total manipulation? Nowhere does the Bible say that their father ever told them to do this. It's not even clear that their father ever even knew all that the brothers had done. I can just see them sitting in the huddle going, we are in trouble. Dad is dead. Joseph's going to take us out. We need to do something. Hey, I got an idea. Let's write him a note. And let's, let's say dad said it, all right, because he loves dad. Dad gave him the coat. So dad said, forgive your brothers. You know, they didn't even approach him themselves. They never asked Joseph to forgive them. They sent a messenger with this. They never asked Joseph to forgive them. They never even claimed they were wrong. Listen, guys, they never said anything that deserved forgiveness. Listen, sometimes, sometimes those who've wronged you will realize it and apologize. And sometimes they will repent and even change. But sometimes they will never admit they are wrong and will continue to lie and manipulate right in your face. 
And yet God says to forgive and to release and to let it go. See, Joseph showed the way for us. He released them by forgiving them. And he put, some, he put it into God's hands. He, he put it into the Lord's hands. Listen, if we refuse to forgive, remember something. We are putting ourselves in the place of God. And God is the only one who's really just. He's the only one who can judge justly. Joseph said it well. He said, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? He says, no, I can't judge on this. Only God can. And here's what we need to understand. When we release someone, and we release forgiveness into their lives, what we are doing is this. We're saying, I'm done. But your life is in the hands of God right now. Your life is in the hands of God right now. And God is just and God is holy and God will do what is right to draw you to him so you will seek forgiveness in your own life. You see, if we don't forgive, we live our lives searching for vindication. If you don't believe that, follow some people on Facebook for a while. And just watch what they post. Right? I mean, it's there. Come on. You know, well, you know, my sister's in town, you know, when she was 13, she did. She's 45 now. Get over it. You know, I, I've met people in churches that they are hanging on to stuff from 50 years ago, 40 years ago. And can I tell you, it's killing them. Because they haven't released and they're spending their whole life trying to prove something instead of trying to please someone. And when you please someone, church, that's when this blessing flows through our lives. There is only one that I have to please on this earth, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one I'm going to stand before and give an account for my life. And I will not be pleasing to him if I go through my life holding unforgiveness towards those who hurt me. Romans 12 says this, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, how many of y'all, does that verse make you feel better? It's because we don't understand that verse that we feel better. We're like, oh yeah, God, heaping coals, man, that's it, burn them up. I mean, start from the top, burn them down, God. That, yeah, okay, I'll release it if you'll do that. Now, that's not what he's saying. To, to put burning coals was actually a blessing. It was actually adding a value to someone's life. That's what the context in that, in that culture was. So God wasn't saying, hey, give them to me and I'll toast them. No, let's see. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, right? And that's our goal is they be get saved, Amen? Amen? I'm wondering a little bit this morning, you're like, holding out. You're like, <laughs> Pastor, can I just like step on them a little bit longer? You know, I mean, this feels good right now. No, because one day, the one you please is the one you will stand in front of. So we have, to, we have to release. But to do that, we have to also receive. We have to receive. I really believe that a lot of people have a hard time forgiving because they've never received it themselves. They've never really owned forgiveness themselves. And the Bible is clear there's this direct connection between our forgiveness of others and God's forgiveness of us. How many of you have ever recited the Lord's Prayer? Let me see your hands. I mean, you can be pagan and recite the Lord's Prayer, right? Go to a ball game, you know, football. I remember as a kid, half my football team was stoned before the game, and yet they're all like, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I mean, it's ridiculous. But you know how dangerous that prayer is? Have you ever thought about it? It's a dangerous prayer. Because you know what you're saying in the middle of that prayer in verses 12 and 13? 
It says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do you realize when you recite the Lord's Prayer, you're asking God to forgive you to the very extent that you have forgiven others? That kind of changes the picture, doesn't it? Man, when you're holding out on somebody, man, when you're, you're trying to, you want vindication, you want justice, man, you want them to pay, and you're saying, hey, God, forgive me just like I'm forgiving for it. Oh, oh. How about you don't do that for a moment, God? Let me get this right, okay? It's a dangerous prayer. And then he goes on in the very next verse, and he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins it's in the bible it's god's word it's clear you see it's a scary verse but here's the deal the way we forgive is the same way that we have been forgiven so if you feel like that somehow you've got to earn god's forgiveness guess what you will then put that on others and say well they need to earn my forgiveness if you feel like that somehow you've got to pay God back for all the bad that you did, then you're going to have that same attitude towards those around you. And you're going to say, well, hey, I'm going to hold out until they pay back what they've done against me. You see, you can never earn forgiveness from God. You cannot pay God back for what he did for us. There is not enough good works that any of us could ever do to come close to paying back God for his grace and his mercy in our lives. You see, Jesus paid his price through the death on the cross. Isaiah 53 says this, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. By his wounds we are whole. He did it all. He took everything upon himself. He bore our sins completely. He bore our sins totally. He paid the price for every sin you've ever committed in your life, for every sin you ever will commit in your life. And he offered us forgiveness. But here's the deal. We have to receive it for it to become real in our lives. And for some, the reason it's hard to forgive others is you've never fully received the forgiveness of God. You think it's too good to be true, so you add caveats to that. You add things around that to somehow make you feel better that you earned it or you even deserved it. I don't know about you, but there's nothing I deserve from God. There's nothing I can earn from God. No matter how hard I try, no matter how many verses I study, no matter how many prayers I pray, there's no way I can earn God's forgiveness. But guess what? I don't have to. I don't have to. You don't have to. Isn't that the awesome thing about Christ? He didn't say, come up on the cross with me. He said, no, believe. Believe. Put your faith in me. Believe that what I did for you does exactly what I said. It brings cleansing to your life. It renews you from the inside out. It restores you in a relationship with God. And believe me when I tell you that he he rose from the grave, which we're going to celebrate next week, because now he has taken all the fear away, because even death has been conquered. You see, if you're having trouble receiving forgiveness, it could be because you have a problem believing what God has said. And that's our last point today, and that is that we are to believe. We're to release people from their sins. We're to bear them. We're to to take that burden off of them. We're to receive what God has done for us. But we also have to believe. You see, I'm convinced that some people have a hard time believing God could really forgive them, cleanse them, totally, completely release them from the penalty of sin. 
I, I grew up in a holiness church. Does anybody know what that feels like or knows that? Holiness church in my day in the 70s was God is pure. God is holy. God is perfect. And you're a worm and you're lucky he even looks at you. And I got very good as a teenager going, I'm a worm. Sorry. I don't know what to say about that. But you know the reality is everything I just said, <laughs> true. He is a holy God, amen? You, you recognize that. He is not a man that he should lie. He's not like us. He is pure. He is just. He is perfect. And guess what? I am not. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not perfect this morning. Would you do that? I may have just healed someone's relationship right there. I mean, I'm telling you. Just to admit that fact, I'm not perfect, but God is. You see, the statement is true. God is holy and God is pure. So much so that the Bible says this. He is so holy and so pure that his eyes cannot even look on sin. That his eyes can't even look on unrighteousness. That his eyes can't even look at transgressions or upon evil. And yet we all fall short. And think, it's just, God, here you are, you're perfect, you're holy, and you say, I can't even look at evil. And we're like, well, what's, where's the hope, God? Because we have all sinned and fallen short of your glory. There, there's no way. So how does God resolve this? How does God take care of that problem in our lives? The psalmist David gave us a, an understanding of this in Psalm 103. I love this verse. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. And someone needs to say praise the Lord right there. He can't look on evil. He can't even look at us when all he sees is the sin in our lives. But yet when we come to him and we put our faith in Christ, he cleanses us. And he removes our transgressions. He puts them as far as the east is from the west. And he takes them so far away that now his eyes can be upon us. Can I tell you this, guys? God is more interested in putting his eyes on you than putting his eyes on your sin. I grew up all the time thinking God was a God in heaven. had a little checkbook on mine. And he's like, oh, blew it again. Blew it again. Blew it again. I was the preacher's best friend, man. If there was an altar call for salvation, I was there every Sunday. It was like, yeah, I sinned. Okay, I'm coming back. Because no one ever taught me that, that God throws my transgressions is from the east to the west. And he is faithful and just to forgive my sins and cleanse them from all unrighteousness when I confess them to him. But church, listen. He is more interested in looking at you than he is at looking at your sin. Because the price has already been paid. It's already been taken care of. 1 Peter says this in 1 Peter 3, 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Listen, this is the crux of it. This is what you have to believe. This is what you have to get your faith mind around that. And that is, I have been made righteous. And God's eyes are upon me. Not because of what I have done. But because I've accepted his son, Jesus Christ. And when he looks down from heaven and he sees me, I tell you guys, he doesn't see the sinful Mike that just falls short. He sees his son, Jesus Christ, wrapped around me in all of his purity, all of his glory, and he accepts me and he sees me and he looks at me and he talks to me and he walks with me. Why? Because my sins have been forgiven and God has set me free. The word of God says in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
Now, why do I, why do I tell you this? What, what does this have to do with your destiny? What does it have to do with you fulfilling God's vision for your life? What does it do to have, I mean, come on, we're human, right? God works through, through uh, broken vessels. We have all these great catchphrases. We're human, we're fragile. I mean, God understands, right? But he says very clearly in his word, if you want to walk in the destiny that God has for you, if you want to be that, that hand extended, if you want to be those eyes that are purely full of love, if you want to be his mouthpiece, if you want to be the one that just wraps your arms of love around people, he says this, you have to be able to forgive the hurts that others have caused against you. That's it. It's the final test. We can look at God and say, well, well God, I, I'm, I'm sexually pure. We talked about that one week. He goes, good, but you're still harboring unforgiveness towards your parents. Well, God, I've been faithful over the little things. Aren't you making me rule over much? I would. But you're still holding your grudge against your old church. Say, God, I, I, I know what it is to persevere. God, I lean into you. God, I trust you. I'm, I'm coming after you. And God says, then let it go. Let go the, 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 the prison you put over somebody else just because they hurt you. But you have to understand all the hurts this world can throw at you cannot compare to what Christ took on for you. And through that, he took them all and he redeemed them and he gave you something that is a gift and it's a gift of forgiveness. You can't earn it. He says, you can certainly block it. Church, I don't want to block what God has given for us. I don't want to block what God has given for us. You see, you have to understand that if you call on the name of Christ and ask him to forgive you, you are forgiven. And when you are forgiven, you can now be one who pardons others. No matter what they've done to you, no matter if they've made it right, no matter if they're still manipulating you, no matter if they're still lying to you, it does not matter. He says, for you, you've got to pardon them. You gotta let them go. Now, I shared earlier just what I feel in my spirit today for you. Maybe you come today and you're like, ah, thanks, Mike, you just made me hurt even worse. Because I know what it feels like to harbor unforgiveness. It's painful. I know what it is to struggle through this. I've got to let them go. I know what it is to kneel in prayer before God and I want to just come and cast my cares on him and I want to release something to him and all that is going through my mind is what someone did. But I also know what it is to finally get to that place and say, God, I can't carry this any longer. And God, my carrying it is not changing my situation at all anyway. God, I'm tired of drinking the poison hoping they die. Because guess what? They're not dying. But I am inside. And it's time to let it go. It's time to let it go. Listen, gang. Maybe you've come today and you're hurting. And you're hurting over things that have happened to you. Things that were unjust. And we can sit here and we can all agree. There are so many things that are unjust. Maybe you suffered at the hands of a parent or a sibling or a boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe you've suffered by an employer or someone in authority over you. And we can all sit here and say, that's wrong. We'd all agree. But it's not going to bring healing to you to stay right there. The only point of healing is going to be when you say, God, I know it's wrong. But God, I've got to give it to you. God, I've got to release it. And God, I've got to release them. You see, if we allow the hurt to live on, then we're hindering God's work in our life. And God has made a way through Jesus Christ for every wrong to be forgiven. He's paid the price. 
Now, by grace, he's asking us, will you forgive in the same way I've forgiven you? Will you release that person freely, just as I've released you freely from your sins? I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment. Joseph's story ends truly with a majestic celebration. Majestic celebration of grace, mercy. God wants that same celebration going on in your life today. And I believe, he's, I believe he has brought you into this place today, and I believe that he has sovereignly set you up, because I, I know that God is speaking to some right now. You, you don't even have to be prompted. Your, your image in your mind already is already in that situation where the hurt was or that person. And you've been carrying them way too long. If you've carried them for a second in unforgiveness, you've carried it way too long. God wants to do business this morning in this place. And he wants to set some people free right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And I want you with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. We're going we're gonna to talk just a moment to, to those that may be far from God. But I want to talk for a moment to those who have put their faith in Christ. And can I tell you this this morning? When unforgiveness takes root in your spirit, not only will you be struggling in your own peace, in your own joy, but you are limiting the witness of God through your life. Because there is a world around us that does not know our Savior. And the only representation they have on this earth is us. If they read our posts or they hear our rants or they whatever it may be, can I tell you, they would say, why would I want to serve a God that keeps me feeling like that? This morning, I, I want to put a call out for repentance among us. God has so much that he has put in your life. He has so much that he has given you. God sees you so differently than you see yourself. And whatever it is that's keeping you in that place of bondage today, maybe you've just struggled receiving the forgiveness of Christ, and today would you just let the Lord just love you and show you how freely he's forgiven you? Maybe you still bear the wounds of, 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 of betrayal. Maybe you still bear the wounds of, of, of abuse. Whatever happened there, there's a God in heaven that loves you. There's a God in heaven that wants to heal you. And there's a God in heaven that wants to make you whole. Make you a messenger of peace. But it begins right there with forgiveness this morning. If you're here today, just, just bow your heads. Just close your eyes for just a second. We, we don't traditionally linger here a long time, but I just feel like we need to for just a moment. If you're here today and you know the Holy Spirit's doing work in your heart right now, and you're, you're recognizing that he's saying to you, look, there's some... There's someone you got to forgive. There's a situation you got to let go. There's something you got to break free from today. If that's you today, no one else looking around. This is a moment between you and God. I just want you to do something, and that is this. I just want you to acknowledge that before God, just by raising up a hand to heaven and saying, God, I, I, I want to do business today, God. Lord, I'm tired of drinking the poison, God. God, I want to release someone, God, today, that they may be free and I may be free as well. If that's you, just right now, just lift up your hands. Just all around the place right now. Come on, just be honest before God. It's the beginning of that breakthrough. It's the beginning of that release. Thank you. Are there others that thank you? Yes, a lot of hands are going up. My, come on, just release that to God. I want to pray for you. 
I want to believe God for you. Just put those hands down. Maybe you're here today and your, your, your greatest need is, is forgiveness yourself. Maybe you've been the one that's caused the pain. Maybe you're the one that has, that has hurled the words out of your mouth that were meant to hurt, and they did. Maybe you're the one that, that, that breaks out into, into something of, that is, is a burden to others, and you know it in your heart, and you're here today because you're tired of living the way you live. And can I tell you that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you to set you free, to release you from the bondage of that, and to bring a new life into you. A life where you become a blessing and not a curse. Where you become someone that, that brings love and joy into places instead of burdens. If you're here today and you never asked Christ to be your Savior and Lord, in a moment we're going to pray. And I'm not going to ask you to walk down to the front, in front of everybody, right where you are. God is a personal God. God loves you. Right now we're praying for you as a corporate body. This church is. And right where you are, we just want you to do business with God. We want you to say, God, I'm here. I need you. Come into my life, forgive me. Become Lord of my life. I want to serve you my whole life, but I need you to change me from the inside out. And can I tell you, God will do just that. He will do just that. So why don't we all stand to our feet this morning? Right where you are, just stand to your feet. Just just pray. Just right where you are, just be praying. I mean, it's just... Just talk to God for a second. Just talk to God. We ask you every week to answer two questions at home. What is God, what is God saying to me? And what does God want me to do about it? Before we step into response this morning, I just want to share just a little story something that happened in my own life this week. And I was surprised by what God spoke to me in the middle of this. This week, Denise and I were on our way home. We had had a meeting. We were coming back into our neighborhood and a couple was walking down the middle of our street. Couldn't get around them. And I just pulled in behind them thinking, see a car, get on the sidewalk, good idea. Only to have the young man turn around begin to move forward with not good feelings towards me. My younger days, my stupid days, I would have stepped out of the car. But I cracked the window a little bit and I said, sir, I just want you to move so I can go ahead. He called me things I've been called before. I wasn't bummed by that. But he grabbed my door to try to open it up to bring an assault toward my life. Punched the gas, got out of the way, called the officers. They took him out. But you know what God spoke to my heart was, he's lost. He's going to end up in prison or dead if he doesn't find Christ. And there was such a call to forgiveness to release to him. And I'm like, God, I know I'm studying this. God, don't make me live it. Because I want to take him out. Can I get a witness? I may be short, bald, and in the 50s, but in my mind I was 18 and still strong, all right? But with wisdom, I mean with age, comes wisdom. Can I get an amen? Because he was younger and better in shape than I was. But can I tell you guys, we live it all the time. We live in an angry world. But we got to release people, release people, release people. Then God releases us. So we're going to respond to God in a moment. We're going to 
they're going to lead us in a song. It's such a classic song. So I want you more. I need you more, God. And as we do, we're going to invite you to step out and respond to God in these closing moments. We're going to offer you an opportunity to be prayed for this morning. David Williams asked David to come over to my right to be ready to pray for anybody that just needs prayer. We're going to offer you communion today because right here we live it out, God. By your body, we are, we are made whole because you are broken. You bore everything upon you. By the blood of Christ, the juice, we are cleansed. You may need to go to the cross, write somebody's name out, pin it there and say, God, I can't forgive them unless you help me. He'll do just that. But whatever your response is to God, let's make it real this morning. Let's make it transparent. Then we're going to give to God on our way out. We're going to honor God in our giving, our generosity. Why? Because he's given us everything. So right now, Father, help us. God, as we sing this song, God, as the words get into us, Father, I pray that, God, we will just experience a renewing of your Holy Spirit today. And, God, Lord, we will release some things today, God, and we will leave this place, oh, God, God, feeling that lightness, God, of the burdens lifted, God, because, Lord, we're living to please you and not to prove something, God. God, we love you and we give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's respond to God this morning.